0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hallelujah. Great to be here. Or as Pastor Larry says, great to be seen. Praise God. That means we're still alive. We're still doing something. Hopefully something for God. So let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you this morning for your great grace that you poured out upon us. God, we take authority and dominion right now over every distraction and command every thought to be brought into captivity, subjection, and to obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Well, good morning. This is the last Sunday of 2019. We're about to enter into another decade Some of us have been around for quite a few decades. Some of us have not been around for even one decade. But praise God, how many know what people do on New Year's? They make, well they party, but what do a lot of people do? They make a New Year's resolution. One or two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. How many have ever heard of Jonathan Edwards? One, two... You guys need to study history. Three people. Jonathan Edwards, famous pastor uh, before the American Revolution. His most famous sermon and most powerful sermon was... uh, What he would do is he'd write his whole sermon out and he'd read the whole thing. His most famous sermon was called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And it helped spark a revival in the colonies uh, uh, back east. One of the things he did when he was a young man, first of all, he graduated from Yale University when he was 16 years old. 16 years old, he graduated from college. Who does that? Nobody does that anymore unless you're really, really smart. And apparently he was really, really smart. He's called America's greatest theologian. One of the most intelligent people that ever lived and was born on this continent. I tried reading some of his stuff and it's way beyond me. I can't can't even follow it. All I know is good theology is Jesus Christ and him crucified and raised again from the dead and coming back. That's perfect theology. Jesus of Nazareth. Hallelujah. When he was 19 years old, he proceeded to make some resolutions. (laughs) Guess how many resolutions he made? Seventy resolutions. (laughs) Seventy resolutions. Not only did he make those 70 resolutions between uh, in, the, in the next couple of years. Actually, it was just in two years. In 1721 and 1722, he made these resolutions because he reviewed them every week. So, oh my goodness, I'm not doing that one. I better get on the ball. 70 resolutions. Every week he would read them. Make sure he was doing okay. Why would someone do that? Why would someone make at least one resolution? I can tell you myself, I would like to make one resolution and keep it for a year or the rest of my life so I can be effective for God and for the kingdom of heaven. We're going to give you a little bit of a uh, history lesson this morning. Who Jonathan Edwards was and how many historic figures of the original 13 colonies were connected to Jonathan Edwards. First of all, his dad was Reverend Timothy Edwards. He was born in 1669 in Hartford, Connecticut. He was the pastor of a large church. Jonathan Edwards' grandfather was the pastor of the largest church in Ma- Massachusetts. It was the Northampton uh, Congregational Church. It was the largest and wealthiest church in the American 13 colonies. When he graduated from college, he went back to college and got his master's degree. As soon as he graduated from college, his grandfather said, Come with me. You're going to help me pastor the church. So he started helping pastor in the church. Lo and behold, his grandfather passes away. Guess what happened next? He became the head pastor. He was ordained in 1727. At North Hampstead, Massachusetts, with his grandfather... Between the years 1733 and 1735, they had tremendous revival in that church and the surrounding area. Hundreds of people got saved and began to live for God. Unfortunately, he had a falling out because Jonathan Edwards' grandfather believed that everyone could come to communion. But Jonathan Edwards was a little more strict. He said, no, you have to uh, make a profession of your faith and I have to make sure that you're really saved and born again before I invite you to communion. So they had a big to-do, and he got kicked out of the church. Who does that, kicks their pastor out of the church? Well, apparently they did. And apparently it does happen sometimes. This is an interesting thing. Um, His grandson, at the age of four, his name was Timothy Dwight. He later became the president of Yale University, the age of four. Young Timothy Dwight was late for dinner. Guess where they found him? Out somewhere, he had gathered a bunch of Native American Indians, and he was teaching them from his catechism. Four years old, and he's preaching to the Native Indians. This is the legacy of a person who will live for God. Your children and your grandchildren will rise up and call you blessed. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? Who knows what's going to become of our grandchildren and our children and our great-grandchildren? But if we'll live for God, we can trust God that God will do something powerful and we will have a legacy. I always thought... That uh, how many's ever heard of the mutiny on the bounty? Is an actual true story. really happened. They had a mutiny on the HMS bounty. And uh, Captain Bly uh, was sent out of uh, uh, the ship on an open boat. He traveled over 3,500 miles over open water. Made it back to England. I always thought that the name of the ship that he went back to go catch the uh, perpetrators was the Resolution. But it was not. It was called the Pandora. So I always thought, yeah, man, that makes a great story. He's, he's coming back to get the bad guys because he's got, you know, he's resolute. He's, he's firm in his conviction that he's doing the right thing. Lo and behold, there's the wrong name of the ship. So that whole story got blown out of the water, so to speak. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> there was what was known as the first great awakening In the American colonies from 1740 to 1742 in 1750 uh, Jonathan Edwards um, was uh, kicked out of the church and they sent him to what was known as a frontier church somewhere in Connecticut if you can imagine Connecticut having a frontier where he ministered to uh, Native Americans and he met and was, uh, actually, let me back up a second — in the year 1757, after seven years in Stockbridge, Connecticut, he was invited to give the commencement address at Princeton University. How many have ever heard of David Brainerd? He's a young man who ministered to the Native Americans also. He got 160 of them saved when he went out to preach. He died of tuberculosis at a very young age. He was engaged to Jonathan Edwards' daughter. She got tuberculosis and died shortly after her fiancé did. But he gave his life for Jesus in order to reach unreached people. So David Brainerd's brother, John, was one of the trustees of Princeton University. They decided that the president of Princeton University, who passed away his name was Aaron Burr senior have anybody ever heard of Aaron Burr remember your American history Aaron Burr junior and Alexander Hamilton had a duel and Alexander Hamilton shot to the ground but Aaron Burr shot Alexander Hamilton because in 1800 they were deadlocked in the election for the presidency they both had the same amount of votes and so there was a political rivalry And Aaron Burr, Jr. was not a nice guy, and he shot Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton died the next day. However, what happened is he asked Jonathan Edwards to become the, the president of Princeton University. So after some prayer, he decided, yes, I'll do that. I think it's the will of God. Unfortunately, in March of 1758, the very next spring a smallpox epidemic happened to come through the area so Jonathan Edwards decided on the um, advice of his physician to become inoculated and it didn't work so he died of smallpox he spoke at Yale's commitment commencement met David Brainerd but this is what's interesting about David Brainerd In 1749, or in 1747, Jonathan Edwards published David Brainerd's Diaries, called The Life. Actually, it was published in 1749. The Life of Brainerd was read by John Wesley. How many know who John Wesley was? The founder of the Methodist movement. It was a revival like England. It changed the course of the history of England. Henry Martin was a math whiz at Cambridge University. He left a promising career and asked God. He went to, For six years, he translated um, the New Testament into Persian. At that point in time, 25% of the world spoke and read Persian. This is quite an accomplishment just because he was influenced by the, the reading of the book The Life of David Brainerd. Other missionaries... William Carey, the father of modern missionaries, went to India. He read David Brainerd's book. Robert Morrison went to China and passed away at a young age. He burned out for God. He translated uh, the Bible into Chinese. Robert Murray McShane took over Scotland for God because he read the life of David Brainerd. David Livingstone went to Africa to explore, but he went mainly as a missionary and mainly to end the slave trade in Africa. He died on his knees praying. That's David Livingstone. Andrew Murray was from South Africa. He was very involved in missions. Jim Elliott was killed by the Alka Indians down in Ecuador. He was martyred for his faith because he's trying to reach a people who were not saved because he ran to the life of Brainerd. And this is because Jonathan Edwards published the book. So you never know what's going to become of your efforts in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Aaron Burr, Sr. was the founder and president of Princeton University. There was another uh, gentleman named John Barker Church who happened to own the pistols that Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr used in their duel. He also had a duel with Aaron Burr, Jr. Unfortunately for Aaron Burr, Jr., he let his political ambitions and his bitterness get the best of him and he became politically disgraced. He was even arrested and tried for um, political treason and scandal. But in his 70 resolutions, every week Jonathan Edwards would read and reread his resolutions. Am I doing the things that I promised God I would do? And so that's the question I have for you and I this morning. Are we doing the things that we promised God we would do? I know that's kind of a hard question, but living for God should be a joy. Living for God and telling other people about Jesus should be a natural outflow of our new life. The Bible says before we received Jesus, we were dead in sins and trespasses. But God, when He saved us, He put His life in us and transformed us. He didn't reform us. He changed us completely through and through. And sometimes it takes a while for that to sink in. Hallelujah. But let us look and see what Paul the Apostle says. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained this. What is this? Today's trick question. What is this? It's the resurrection from the dead. I haven't died yet physically, so I haven't raised again from the dead. That's our hope as believers in Jesus, that we are going to, even if our bodies expire and wear out, which they probably will, and most likely will be unless Jesus come back soon, we're all going to pass away and slip into eternity, and someday day have to stand before God and give an account. But we have a hope that not only does that going to happen, but we're going to have resurrected bodies. We're going to have perfect bodies, no sorrow, no sickness, no pain, no problems. Hallelujah! I can hardly wait. No problems. We'll be a forever. In the presence of Almighty God, <clears throat> with joy unspeakable and full of glory, as the song says. Joy inspired You won't sing like that song, I can only imagine. I don't even know if I'm able to say anything. I don't know if I'm be able to do anything except just go wow. Oh! And there's God and you know, praise God. So he says, I haven't attained that already. I'm not already perfect or complete, or I'm not fully mature. And this is Paul the Apostle saying that. The great, one of the greatest men of God that ever lived. He gave us most of the New Testament. And he says, I'm not completely mature yet. Paul the Apostle actually saw Jesus with his own eyes several times in the book of Acts. Jesus appeared to Paul. And in spite of all that, he says, I'm not completely perfect. I'm not there. I mean, I have attained, you know, but I'm not a hundred percent where God wants me to be can you say amen that's a good place to be because now you know there's room for improvement hallelujah all right Jameson Fawcett and Brown in their commentary they're saying that being perfect is a a knowledge of Christ knowing Jesus the power of his resurrection fellowship of his sufferings and becoming like him in his death which means Jesus was dead to sin, so you and I should consider ourselves dead to sin. Paul has not reached his goal yet. He had a goal. How many know you have to have a goal? If you don't aim at the goal, you surely won't hit anything. You have to aim at something. You have to know where you're trying to get going. I remember... uh, listening to a motivational speaker. He was the first Mexican-American uh, to go on the space shuttle up to the space station. And he says uh, his dad never graduated school, made it to the sixth grade like Jethro and, uh But his dad told him, he says, Son, you have to know where you want to get. You have to know how to get there. Think about it, he says. Think about where you want to go and how are you going to get there. When I first came out to Arizona to settle, uh, I didn't settle. I went overseas right away. But I figured out, all right, this is how I'm going to drive. This is the map I'm taking. This is the road I'm taking. This is how many miles I'm going. This is how many miles a gallon the car gets. This is how much gasoline costs. This is how much money I'm going to have to take with me in order to get where I wanted to go. I had a plan, so to speak. <clears throat> Whoops. So. What does this have to do with resolutions? I'm glad you asked that. Because Paul says, but I press on to make it my own. What is it? It's the goal of knowing Jesus. I don't know about you, but I've been uh, serving God since Thanksgiving Day 1981, and I still don't know Jesus as well as I want to. How many know that you can be as close to God as you want to be? It's up to you and I to do whatever it takes to make the effort to go and, and seek God and, and, and just be aware of His presence. I long to be aware of God's presence at all times, but I'm not there yet. I hope and pray that all of us will make it our goal to be aware of God's presence The Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God in Romans, they're the children of God, the sons of God. Sons, daughters, doesn't matter. There's no difference between men and women in God's eyes. As many as are led by the Spirit. So I pray, God, give us a sensitivity to the leading of your Holy Spirit. I work in construction, um, so there's... uh, <clears throat> Quite a bit of uh, vile individuals I work with <laughs> saying all kinds of vile and disgusting things all day long and trying to get me to join in their conversations. And, and it's irritating and frustrating. But I always am trying to think of something to say to spark their interest in Jesus and the great salvation that He's provided for us. I press on to make it my own. I pursue in the young's living tape. Uh, translation I make every effort to take hold of it in the Philips translation of the New Testament he says I do not consider myself to have arrived spiritually but I keep going on grasping ever more firmly that purpose for which Christ grabbed me how many know or believe that God has a specific purpose for each and every individual In the body of Christ. In the kingdom of God. Everyone has their own personal plan from God. God wants to use you and I to expand His kingdom. God wants to use you and I to touch other people. To reach out and to let them know that there's a God that loves them in spite of their rebellion, in spite of their sin, in spite of their vileness, in spite of all the the horrible things that people do. There is a God who loves and is willing to forgive because He sent His Son to take the punishment that we deserve. The book of Revelation is a description of the outpouring of the wrath of God that's going to come upon those who do not repent. I was reading some of the things that these great missionaries were saying as one guy was saying, Oh, this like, oh, like my heart's being ripped out. How many people in my congregation don't know Jesus? How many people in the that I preach to every Sunday, he says, don't know that they're saved or not? That was His burden. I drive down the street. I see these homeless people and I wonder, God, how can You touch them? I see the the kids at the university. They haven't got a clue. They're supposed to be smart. They're walking around with their phones, not even watching where they're going. Praise God, my neighbor and his wife and the church that they belong to, they have a ministry on the U of A campus. God brings students from all over the world to the University of Arizona so that he, they can touch their lives there. Praise God. That wasn't in my sermon, but praise God anyway. <coughs> because Christ Jesus made me His own. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. We were slaves to sin, the Bible says, but when we received Jesus, we were redeemed. He paid the price to get us out. Hallelujah. And bring us into his kingdom. Grabbed a hold of us. Hallelujah. Made us his own. Brothers, verse 13. And of course, just doesn't mean this is for men, it's for everyone who has received Jesus. Brethren, dearly beloved. Hallelujah. I know one uh, pastor. Every time he's when he's preaching, he's always talking to the congregation, telling, "Listen, beloved, you are beloved by God," and he addresses his whole congregation as beloved. So, brethren, brothers, let's um, substitute. We can paraphrase because Paul paraphrased quite a bit in the New Testament writings. Let's paraphrase that, dearly beloved. You who are saved and love God. He goes on to say, I do not consider that I have made it my own. In other words, he believes, he understands and he knows that he hasn't fully comprehended all that God has for you and I and Himself. There's more, so much more. After so many years, in uh, 2021, it'll be 40 years that I've been serving God. 40 years. And I feel like I only know that much. How do you overcome that? Well, read your Bible more. Keep, I've read it a bunch of times, front to back. There's a bunch of stuff in there I don't even like to read. It's just a list of names. Well, you're going to meet those people someday. <laughs> Praise God. But there's always room for growth. Hallelujah. <clears throat> but, he says, however, I like using the word however because this kind of sounds rude. However, one thing I do. How many know who Dr. Kevin Lehman is? He's educated here in Tucson. He's a smart man. He does seminars and stuff. He says uh, <clears throat> you should try and live an intentional life. He says when you live an intentional life, just do, try doing one thing and do it well. If you love your wife, Try and make sure that your wife knows that you love her. Am I doing a good job, Captain? (laughs) Praise God. One thing, do one thing. If you make one resolution this year, guess how many days it takes to create a new habit. Some experts say, oh, 21 days. You'll have your habit down pat. Well, the reality is it takes over 200 days to get a habit formed and down pat. That's more than six months. So there you go. You can set a goal by September. That's nine months. By September 1st, I will have this habit down. I'm going to do this, this, or this. Personally, I'm going to try and be more sensitive when I'm sleeping and God wakes me up. I've been trying to do this on a regular basis now. Wake up. I don't have to get out of bed until 4.30. It's only 3.30. I'm going to go back to bed. But lately, God's been dealing with me. Get up. Come and pray. (laughs) The other night, (laughs) Kathy came in our bedroom. (laughs) I was in the closet praying. Jesus said, Go in your closet, shut the door, and pray. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. (laughs) said, What are you doing? Talking to the shoes? (laughs) No, I'm praying. so for me personally that's one goal I'm trying to establish where God wakes me up I mean because I don't have to get out of bed until 4.30 but 3.30 in the morning I'm wide awake I feel refreshed you know what I'm going to get up and go pray we have a prayer room in our house so I don't always go pray in the closet I just happen to be praying in the closet that night we have a prayer room in our house Do I get up Go down the hall and go to the prayer room. Because I want to hear from God. I want direction from God. I need God to help me reach people. My goal, my ambition in life is to win souls to Jesus. That should be your ambition too. Jesus said, He who is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. I don't want to be found scattering. I want to be found gathering With Jesus, can you say amen? This one thing I do, so I'm going to do that one thing this coming year. Whenever God wakes me up in the middle of the night, get up and go pray. Just worship God and praise Him and thank Him. Hallelujah. Because there's stuff that lies behind me and you. One thing I do, I forget what lies behind Straining forward to what lies ahead. You know, let me just back up here. You don't forget everything that lies behind. The reason I did all that history lesson at the beginning of the sermon is because, first of all, there's people that have lived for God before us who did it better than us, and you can learn from what they did and how they did it. That's why I like to study history because I want to know How were these people successful? What did they do? What was the, if there was one thing that they did that made them successful in the kingdom of God, that's what I want to try and incorporate in my life. So, the beginning of his 70 resolutions, Jonathan Edwards uh, writes these things. He says, Being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help. I do humbly entreat Him by His grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to His will for Christ's sake. The whole goal in life is to give glory to God, is to get God to be famous, for Jesus to be famous, because Jesus is the most important thing, the most astounding thing, the most incredible thing. is the birth that God came out of heaven And became a human being like us. Tempted in all ways. Yet without sin. And then he went to the cross. To pay the price for every soul. That ever lived. And ever will live. I can't comprehend how Jesus took the sins of the whole world upon Himself and in three hours on a cross paid the price, took all that suffering, took the stripes on His back, all that pain. He took it all for us so we could be made whole, so we could be healed. There's miracles that still happen today. God is still in the miracle business. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Another one that you might want to do is... uh, the 42nd <clears throat> um, resolution that Jonathan Edwards said was uh, he was to frequently renew his personal dedication of his life to the Lord. I'm mean, going you know just because you answer an alt call one time, that doesn't mean that's it, you're done. Jesus said, or Paul writes, he says, daily I die. His mercies are new every morning, the Bible says. Daily He loads us with benefits. Because of night, every morning when you wake up, it's a new day, a new opportunity for you and I to live with God, to allow God to express Himself through us. And it's an opportunity for you and I to say, this day is dedicated to Jesus. When I go to work, I'm going to do the best I can to be a blessing to my employer so that I can do a good job when I build stuff so that I can make it where my employer can have the customer say, you guys did a good job. Thank you very much. Guess what? We have more work for you. Every day. I want to dedicate. Whatever the Bible says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. When you're at work, you're working not just for your employer, but you're working for Jesus because you're a representative. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. This is what's amazing about the kingdom of God. Paul writes, he says, it is God who is working in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Because when you get saved, God puts a new heart in you and I. And He gives us new desires and a new uh, attitude. I remember when I first started living for God, uh, my pastor at the time told me that uh, <clears throat> the reason the employer hires you is to make him money. It was like a res- revelation. I thought, oh, I thought he was just sharing the wealth. No. Uh, but now, that changed my attitude at work because I go to work to make my employer money. Not just me. I just happen to get blessed. Because we have good uh, wages and benefits. But he goes on. And when you understand that you don't have everything already and that you're, you're not completely, um, you know, you haven't arrived, when you understand that you need God's help, Matthew chapter 5, verse 2, the very first uh, blessing that Jesus explained in, in the Beatitudes. On the Sermon of the Mount, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's a good place when you know that you need God. You say, God, help me. I don't know all that I want to know. I don't know how to do this or that. I don't know how to reach people. Pray and thank God that He's going to, when you're praying, say, thank you that you're going to help me, God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul goes on to say, i can do all say it with me all all not just a few things i can do all things through christ who strengthens me john chapter 16 verse 7 jesus is explaining to the disciples he says it's to your advantage that i go away because when i go i'm going to be able to send the helper capital h who's the helper the holy spirit if Jesus stayed here on earth, he was risen from the dead, never to die anymore, it would just be him. And he'd be in one location. Because if his physical body stayed here, he could only minister in certain places. Well, now, of course, you've got the Internet and you can just minister all over the world. However, because Jesus left, he poured out his Spirit on all flesh, the Bible says. And everywhere, anywhere, no matter what, barriers are put up. Over in China, over in Iran, they're blocking the internet. They're taking down satellite dishes so nobody can communicate. In Kashmir of India, they're blocking the internet. In North Korea, you can't go in there and tell people about Jesus. You're an enemy of the state, you'll get arrested. You go to Iran, you'll probably get arrested. In Pakistan, you'll get arrested, probably murdered for preaching about Jesus and trying to win Muslims. Other countries like that. In Saudi Arabia, it's against the law to proselytize. You cannot share your faith legally in some countries. So how do you do it? The Holy Spirit can go across any border there's nothing that can stop the Holy Spirit hallelujah there's people who have translated the Bible over in uh, uh, South Korea uh, there's an organization they get balloons and they get Bible tracts and they wait for the wind to take the balloons over into North Korea and they can reach the people that way Praise God they're innovative Hallelujah. Thinking, God, how can we reach so-and-so? How can we reach these people? So, one thing I do. He sets a goal. How many know about the SMART goals? Goals should be specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and timely. To be specific, I'm going to get up when God wakes me up during the night. I can read at least one chapter a day. I can pray every day. I can make more of an effort to be punctual and early and on time. I have struggled my whole life with punctuality. I was late every day for school. I was supposed to come in the next morning early for detention. I never made it. It's one of the things I struggle with. Hallelujah. But I press on. It's relevant. I need to be early everywhere. I need to be on time. People are waiting on me. It's measurable because we have a clock. We can tell if I'm on time or not. Praise God. Hallelujah. It goes on. And I want to ask you, think about this, pray about this. Is there one thing that you can do this year that by September 1st you'll say, I have accomplished and I have fulfilled and I have made this a habit in my life. I have attained, made it my own. One thing, maybe it is read one chapter of the Bible a day. Maybe it is pray every day. Maybe it's save some money. Maybe it's give tithes if you're not giving your tithes regularly. Maybe it's save up some money so that when a special offering comes around, you'll have something to give. One goal. Try and make at least one goal. Hallelujah. Because Paul goes on and he says, even though I haven't attained, I press on. I'm keeping it going on. One of the saddest things Um, prophecies of the New Testament is that before the great day of the Lord there will be a falling away where people will give up serving God to me that's one of the saddest testimonies uh, and prophecies of the whole New Testament when I first started serving God um, the church that I went to the pastor told me for the first three years that the church was open had over 300 people respond to the altar call and fill out a response card. That's 900 people in three years. Guess how many people actually were attending the church at the end of three years? About 60. Where did everybody go? Why didn't those people continue living for God? Why did they give up so easily? Why did they not press on? Hallelujah. God only knows. Hallelujah. But there's a prize waiting for us. Glory to God. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. His divine power has given us, already given us, all things that pertain to life and godliness. His glory and virtue have given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these promises we become partakers of the divine nature you and i have been equipped by god whether we realize it or not to live for him to give glory to him to give honor to god to win souls for jesus to do something for the kingdom of god like i said earlier each and every one of us has a plan from god for our lives we are not our own We've been bought with a price and we've been equipped. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. I read this this morning uh, in the daily devotional. Um, in chapter 7 or chapter 6 of 1 Samuel, the Philistines had captured the Ark of God. And this is one of those hilarious stories in the Bible. They captured the Ark of God. Woohoo! We've got the Israelites, uh, powerhouse. And guess what happened to them? The whole nation got hemorrhoids. <laughs> oh, what do we do? <laughs> so they asked their, their, their holy men and magicians, what are we supposed to do? Well, make um, copies of the hemorrhoids out of gold and put the, cart on, uh, put the ark on a cart and uh, have some uh, uh, oxen take it away. <laughs> No amazingly their hemorrhoids were healed when they did that so the Ark of the Covenant comes in and the Israelites they take it all right we got our ark back however now the Israel the Philistines were healed so they started harassing the Israelites again so in chapter 7 the the Samuel the prophet uh, they asked they come to Samuel pray for us we're going to go to war against the Philistines uh, and he says, okay, so he prays. While, they're, while he's praying and offering a sacrifice, the Bible says God causes a thunder to bring confusion to the Philistines. They flee. The Israelites chase them away and they're gone for quite some time. But what does Samuel do? It says that he sets up a rock, a stone of remembrance. And the name of the rock is Ebenezer. Anybody remember Ebenezer Scrooge? Sounds like a bad name, Ebenezer. Well, guess what Ezra, Ebenezer means? The stone or the rock of help. Capital H. What's Jesus called the Holy Spirit? The helper. Capital H. And the, what he, Samuel says is, till now the Lord has helped us. And he's saying that not only has He helped us in the past, but guess what? Because He's helped us in the past, we believe He's going to help us in the future. Can you say Amen. Hallelujah. The stone of help. Ebenezer. In other words, God's not done yet. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? He who began a good work in you will bring it about to completion. Hallelujah. He pursues, he says. And this should be our... we pursue. He, he presses on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How many know when Jesus reached out to you, He called you. Every one of us that have responded to an altar call, to an invitation to receive Christ, that's the calling of the Holy Spirit. You have been called into His kingdom. Mr. Barnes, in his notes, says these words, God has called us to great and noble efforts. I'll say that again. God has called us to great and noble efforts. I mean, this little church, we're going to do something great for God. We're already doing something great for God. How many know it was impossible to go into Iraq about 20 years ago or so? Now we have a church there that we're supporting, and they're sending missionaries out of there to Egypt. We're part of something great. God has great plans for this church. Who knows? Like I was saying earlier, the legacy of Jonathan Edwards and all the people that were related to him and how they touched the world. This is Mission Sunday in our church here. Glory to God. Who knows what's going to take place in the future besides God? God knows, but God's got a plan and great things are going to be happening. Hallelujah. So what do we do? Make one resolution. Try to keep it until September. By September 1st, you shall have that resolution set and permanent for the rest of your life. Make an effort in prayer to ask God to show you things. God has also called us to a career of true honor and glory. I'm going to guarantee you we have an enemy, a spiritual enemy. He's not at all that any of us are saved and he's going to try and orchestrate things however we know that we know okay say it with me we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God who are called according to his purpose say amen praise God let's close in prayer this morning